it just made me realize that once we ate that meal, I thought, this is what it's about. I feel so loved mm. yes. in a meal. And I know I joke about meals in the book because, <laughs> yeah, I'm not great at them. Um, but we don't have to be great at them. Yeah, I mean, no. you did make a home-cooked meal. I try to tell myself it still matters even if it's not home-cooked because yep. it's about loving someone yes. else. And now, Mundane Faithfulness presents, in partnership with South Park Crawl Space Records, the Mundane Faithfulness Podcast. Welcome to the Mundane Faithfulness Podcast, where friends of Kara Tippett's gather to discuss issues of grace, community, hardship, and the gospel. With me today is Jill Butine discussing chapters four and five of her book that she co-wrote with Kara, Just Show Up. And we also have our special friend, Shelly, in the studio with us. Welcome, Shelly. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for being here. Yes. Mm, my pleasure. All right, so... We're talking about the nurturing of friendships. For me, my friendship with Kara developed at a little bit of a slower pace and continued to develop after her cancer diagnosis, which I talk about in the book. But Shelly, you were one of the people, I feel like, who were friends right away or early on. You were friends before her cancer diagnosis, and she had only lived here for six months when she was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So can you just tell us how you met her, how you became friends, how you knew, okay, I like this yeah. girl. Yeah, I can. So we had come back to the little private school where my husband and I had actually graduated from high school. That's where we met, and um, that's kind of where our roots are, really, was at, at that elementary school. So we had recently returned there with our three daughters, and they had started at the elementary school there. And um, we came in the middle of the year, too, so maybe just a couple of months before the Tippets came to Colorado Springs. And... Um, Ella, their oldest, was in the same class with Avery, our middle daughter. And I showed up at a basketball game. Avery was playing basketball. Ella was on the team, too. And another mom who had actually pursued me, too. She's a neat friend still to this day. She said, oh, have you met Kara Tippett's? They're new to the school, too. And, yeah. and at the time, I thought, eh, I don't know. We had had a really rough year and kind of a hard parting from our last school. So I was I was isolating a bit like I tend mm -hmm. to do. And um, I thought, Ugh, I, I'm not looking for new friends, but I'll meet this this girl. So <laughs> I saw her and she's so beautiful. Kara was so beautiful, yeah. um, you know, just physical beauty. And there was something about um, I, it felt like she was looking into your soul. The first mm -hmm. time you met her, you just look yeah. at her and think, oh, the, this woman wants to know me. Yeah, and she's I, so I, not surfacing. Yes, yeah, right. I got yeah. that sense. I mean, right away, just that first meeting, I think, I was like, huh, that, this, could be, this could be a good friend. But um, I resisted her for as long as I could. Um, <laughs> Which can't be very long. No, no it like wasn't long. <laughs> like literally a matter of weeks, and we were— we were bosom buddies at that point, like, uh, you know, spending time together and um, discovering our mutual love of thrifting and, and different things yeah. like that. So um, our first meeting, she said, I, I want to go to coffee. I want to know your story. And and I was apprehensive. I mean, there's fear in, in any kind of new friendship, mm -hmm. um, really sharing your story or, right. or your heart with somebody. And 
she was so good at pursuing that. So that first story, I mean, that first coffee date we had, I found myself spilling my guts and thinking, ah, no, you're, you're sharing everything. <laughs> like, hold a little bit back. And she just, she never batted an eye or acted like um, afraid of what I, I had to say. She just yeah. kind of nodded her head and said, yep, yeah, me too, me yeah. too. And I thought, okay. The first time that we hung out with the Tippets, we were with mutual friends and Aaron and I were going through some conflict with some people in our lives and the mutual friends knew about it. We're very close with them. And one of them asked me kind of on the side because we were having dinner, you know, how are things going with so-and-so? And I brushed over it because I thought this isn't really the place and it's hard to talk about, et cetera. And then at some point in the meal, we switched seating because Vaughn was a newborn and um, I don't know, I can't even remember, but I found myself next to Kara and the first thing she did was turn and say, so what's going on with so-and-so? <laughs> and I was so taken aback, I just met her. Yeah. And I was like, uh. And then I find myself like spilling the whole story yes. and I don't know what exactly it was about yeah. her that you knew right away you could trust her and that she was a safe place and yeah. that she wasn't going to turn around and tell anybody yeah. that story, that I was safe talking to her about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. There was a safety there. That was that was unique, too. Yes. A, mm -hmm. a new thing to me. I hadn't had um, friends like that in my life before her. So all of a sudden, yeah. this person who I trusted implicitly was like, man, this is this is neat. This mm -hmm. is providential, this meeting between. Yeah. This is one of a of kind. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So what, when you heard the news that she had cancer... What changed with you guys? What did that look like? Um, her birthday was not long before she got her diagnosis. And uh, Jason had called and said that he was having a, a birthday get-together for her. And I wasn't able to go. So I think it was within the next two weeks, maybe, um, yeah. that we... The phone rang again, and Jason Tippett's came up on my caller ID, and I thought, why Why is he calling again? That's interesting. So I picked up the phone, and he, he shared with me that she had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And I think I was so taken aback um, and in my shock said, oh, you know, that's horrible. If there's anything I can do, yeah. let me know. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then hung up and thought, oh, how how silly is that to say something like that? Mm -hmm. um, my heart was broken. Yeah. I yeah. was brokenhearted. I thought, um, I've been searching for close friends for so long and someone who who I could pour into and who was willing to pour into me and that mm -hmm. God had placed this woman in my life. And I thought, and now you're going to take her away? That that feels really unfair. Yeah. Because um, certainly it was all about me at that point. Right. Right? Well, it's all about <laughs> I mean, all obviously, us. like, <laughs> you have cancer. How is that going to affect my life? Right. You know? So, well, it, yeah. But it was a hard pill to swallow. I had this beautiful friend, and I thought, oh, not for long. Mm. Not for long. It was hard. It was hard. And in the middle of all of this, you and your family were going through an adoption, mm -hmm. and it was a very, very difficult adoption. It was a hard time. It was. Can you talk about your story with? Yeah. Can, so. Can say Is that okay? Yes. Oh, please. Yes. Um, so we had started the adoption process. We have three biological daughters. Um, and I've always struggled a bit saying that I longed to be a mother long after I was able to because of some uh, medical things when I had these three healthy children. And I, I know there are so many families that have struggled with infertility and different things. So for a long time, that guilt of feeling like I wasn't fulfilled or content with this 
beautiful family that, that we had been given felt strange. But I know now, in retrospect, that that was a longing that God had given us because he purposed for us right. to have this this little boy that's now part of our family. Mm-hmm. But at the time, that was hard for me to say out loud. But I did. I just had a longing to be a mom again. And, and we knew, um, I, I remember missionaries coming to our school when I was a young child from Ethiopia. And they would talk to us about the need there for um orphans to have families. And so that made a big impact on me. And so we started the adoption process um, thinking it was going to be quick and easy because we had no knowledge of what international adoption actually Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. And I think this story, in a lot of ways, our story is unique. In a lot of ways, it is not. Um, International adoption is hard and long, and it is not for the faint of heart. It's extremely expensive. Um, not just monetarily, but on your emotions and, yeah. and your marriage and your relationship with other children you may have in your home. But ours was especially long and hard. So I met Kara. We were probably a year into the process. It had already been hard. We had not received a referral, which means that they have recommended a specific child for our family. And somewhere in the midst of that, we got a referral for triplet boys. And Gosh. I quickly accepted that referral, and Kara was kind of in the background. Um, she was always honest, which I loved about her, even if it was uncomfortable. And she said to me at one point, you know it's okay to say no mm-hmm. if you feel like this isn't the right fit for your yeah. family. I think when you're presented with a child and you so desperately want to give them mm-hmm. a home, the thought of saying, ah, no, that's not a good fit is... right. Um, it feels wrong in some way. And and she gave me permission to say no if we needed to, but we didn't, we said yes, um, and began to prepare for these boys to become part of our family. And through different circumstances, that fell through. And the day after that fell through, I was grieving that loss, these children that I didn't know that I hadn't mothered yet, Um, but God provided for us (laughs) this baby Jacoa, who is with us now, but we saw his pr- picture for the first time. and The next day? The next day, the very next day after we had lost the referral for the boys. We get this picture of him in our email, and you hear stories of women who say, oh, we got that picture, and I just instantly knew. And mm-hmm. I thought, uh, is, that, is that an accurate description of how you actually felt? And it is. I will tell you that it Aww. is. That picture popped up, and I knew this was my son. Aww. There was no question, this beautiful baby. And I thought, yes, that is that is him. And I hadn't had that feeling um, when we got the picture before that. So mm-hmm. that was a neat thing for me. Um, but she was on board. She was, let's brainstorm, you know, fundraising ideas, whatever you need to do. She just always had my back. Mm-hmm. And that not that what we all want from right. our friends is their support and their honesty through all of that. Your, your stories are kind of parallel yeah. in that um, you 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 had a, both had a long waiting period mm-hmm. with Kara's treatment. It was always a waiting game. What's going to happen? Is this going to work? What's next? And same with Jacoa. You guys had to wait for so long. There were periods where you could move forward and then you'd be stopped, more mm-hmm. waiting. Um, and then there was the financial side as well. I remember a time with Kara where she was so worried about the medical bills and she would brainstorm constantly mm-hmm. ideas to pay off the medical bills. And you guys had the adoption bills. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, you guys traveled similar roads together. What was that like for you to 
show up for her during a difficult time, but also have her show up for you. Mm -hmm. Your story is unique in that not many of us went through something so difficult while she was with us to have experienced her showing up in such profound ways for us. Can you address that a little bit? I can't. So that, that was a humbling time in our lives just because asking for any kind of help, whether it's financial or just emotional support or any kind of help is humbling and hard. And so as I watched her walk through this and accepting help and not even just accepting, but making the effort to reach out and ask for it, um, we were doing much of the same in that way. I moved to Africa to be with our son until the time that that the Congolese government over there would allow him to come home with us. And, And during that time, our concerns mainly there were lots of them, but mainly were financial and mm-hmm. trying to figure out exactly what it was going to look like for God to provide for us. And she was beginning to wonder how people were going to um, show up for her family and for her children, for Jason and for her while she was going through treatment. And so I think um, we get in a mode where we want to compare our mm-hmm. heart to someone else's. Yeah. And so receiving from her initially was a difficult thing. I I kept thinking, this woman is pouring into me, Mm -hmm. and she's so sick. She has so many needs herself for for Jason and for the kids and and for her that her spending time pouring into me was hard to accept. Help is hard to accept anyway. Help from a dying friend is exponentially harder. And so... It did not take me long, though, because she was so great at verbalizing those things. Yeah. Yeah. She would sense a tension or a, a um, discomfort, and she would address it. Yeah. Most of us aren't willing to do that. I, I still struggle with that. I just let it go and think, oh, I'm just not going to say anything, and it'll be okay in a, in a couple days or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Kara would say, I know this is hard for you, but I love you. Mm-hmm. You're important to me, and I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can't do a whole lot. There are some things I can't do, but I can do this. And so showing up for her, um, for me, while I was in Africa, my daughter had a, a voice recital. She was singing, and it was her first one. And I was crushed that I couldn't be there. And I told Kara about this, and the next day the recital came up, and I got a picture from Kara, and it was of my baby singing. And I didn't even know Kara was going, and it, oh. it was such a it was such an impact on me. She didn't feel good. Yeah. That was throughout her chemotherapy treatments. I know she did not feel like getting out of that bed yeah. that day, mm-hmm. but yeah. she did that to support me, mm-hmm. and to show my daughter that she loved her, and yeah, that was huge. Profound. Yeah. So it is profound, and I, I think it's a, a great illustration of how when we don't feel like it, we are still called to show up. Yeah. And she did that, and, and that accept. example to me. Yes, that was oh, a man, huge lesson to me. Yeah. It's yeah. so yeah. humbling, and nobody, humility doesn't feel good in the moment. It right. doesn't feel good, but it's a lesson that I feel so blessed to have learned yeah. through with her. And so many people showed up for us, but the the things she did while she was sick and feeling so crummy, that is huge. That'll have an impact on me and on my daughter forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I often remember Kara, I mean, she just kept attending things Mm -hmm. and you knew she did not feel well. Yeah, Mm -hmm. She hit it pretty well, but I mean, really, she probably didn't feel well for years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Years. And she just kept going. 
to things. And maybe that was part of her personality, that she still wanted to be with people. But I'm guessing it was also yeah. a choice. I think so. I, I think she loved to to be places. Um, she showed up at many parties that I threw for other people, bridal mm. showers, baby yeah. showers, a friend's milestone birthday, those kind of parties. Mm. And I think unless you knew her really well, especially at the beginning of her treatment, people probably didn't realize how poorly she felt. And there would be times when she'd come in my kitchen and she would need some saltine crackers. Mm. She just needed to sit by herself and be quiet. No one knew that she was in there. And then once she felt a little better, she would rejoin the party Mm. or maybe she would have to leave early. But it was a joy to her to show up. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's something that we've learned is that we may not feel like it, we may not feel well, but then once we show up, it is a joy to love others like yeah. that. Yeah. She did it so well. Absolutely. Yeah. And she made us feel like we were doing her a favor by allowing her to show up. Yes. yes. You know, yeah. instead of ah, feel a little guilty. Right. Because, right. you know, this, this sick friend of mine is up and about and driving places she doesn't want to. And she, she did. It was almost, thank you for letting me be a part of, yes. of Jenna's recital. And I thought, how are you thanking me? Thank you. You don't right. know what but you But we're thanking did. her for letting us be a part of her kids' lives yes. and yes. still letting us love on them true. after she's gone. So, mm. yeah, I can see it from my side. Oh, mm-hmm. I want to be the one giving Yeah, because that feels good, but that's what she wanted too. The other day, uh, Shelly texted me. My son was sick. She said, um, can I bring you a meal? And I did not respond <laughs> to the text because I was trying to figure out how to say no when I had just written a book about how I should say yes. <laughs> so then she texted me again, like teasing me, of course, knowing my personality. And I said that to her. I'm trying to figure out how to say no to you because I don't think I can. And she was like, ha, you can't. So she did. She brought a meal. And I had all these feelings of I don't. I can live without this. Mm-hmm. I know I can do this. And then once we made that decision, and she said, "I'm doing it," and I said, "Okay." I smiled that whole day. Yes. I mean, part of it is was giggling at myself <laughs> for just being a big old dork, and part of it was that I was going to get to see you when oh, you dropped off a meal and gave you a hug, and mm. the community that came from that. And then I kept thinking about how wonderful it is when you get to be the one to give. Mm-hmm. And so. Yes. It just it just made me happy and laugh. And it at made myself. me happy too. Yeah. There's joy in showing up. Yes. Yeah. And after she texted you, she texted me because we had a sick household. I was not mm. feeling well. And she said, This is this was very clever because she said, I'm going to drop a meal off at Jill's. Can I drop one off for you too? Mm. Because then I was like, Ah, Jill said yes. <laughs> I tried people. not to. I roped you both in. <laughs> yes. I love and it. If Jill says yes, I can't say no. <laughs> right? Oh, see, I totally thought that you had said yes before me. No. Uh, no. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe She's she was sneaky. making it all up. I'll never sneaky. tell. But it was such a joy to our family, Mm -hmm. and the meal was delicious, and it lasted us more than one meal, which is even better. Us too. Yep. Good. I'm so glad. When I was pregnant with my daughter, Anne, that was right in the middle of Kara's treatment, Mm -hmm. and she insisted on throwing me a baby shower. And first of all, I was like, I haven't known you for very long. I have other friends who have asked. Yeah. Secondly, um, it was a co-baby shower with Anna she was mm-hmm. having Abigail, 
And I was like, this is her first baby. I don't want to steal. You know, I let her have the only spotlight. Let her enjoy this. And Kara would not take no for an answer. And I love it. it. She never took no for an answer. Never. Yeah. And that, the joy that she had mm-hmm. in throwing that party, and she she enlisted a lot of help. She couldn't do that huge no. party by herself. Um, but it brought women together. It was mm. a gathering, and there were so many people in her house. It was just packed. And my pregnancies were not easy, and I didn't feel great. But the one amazing thing about that day was seeing how much joy it brought Kara. Mm. You have been listening to the Mundane Faithfulness Podcast with Blythe Hunt, an official production of the Mundane Faithfulness blog. You can find us on the web at mundanefaithfulness.com or on Facebook at mundanefaithfulness.com slash community. Subscribe now to get the weekly podcast content delivered to you on iTunes or your preferred podcasting application. <laughs>